The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. This verse is taken out of context so often, so often in Christianity. People attach this verse to financial prosperity. People attach this verse to a number of things. But in the context of what is going on with God's people in the book of Jeremiah, they were people that were oppressed. They were people who had been taken captive. And if, if we can equate anything from our current situation, it's that our world has been taken captive. And I, I know, you guys, I read, I know that there's theories about why it's happening and why the lockdown and why this and how many people are actually whatever. What we know for sure is that right now we are social distancing. Right now we had to have a choir, which by the way is bar none, one of my favorite parts of this service was to see them from their own houses singing, singing together with distance in between us. We know that right now we're being held captive by this thing, whatever it is. And I want us to trust in something from this verse. To not take it out of context to say that God has a a plan or hope for your future here only. But ultimately, the big picture is that God has a future for you in the new heavens and the new earth. God has a future for you and I when this body perishes and is done. God has a future and a hope that goes far beyond a quarantine or a pandemic. The future and the hope that we have is in the person and work of Jesus. That's why at the chapel we're all about him. It's not just about how moral or clean that we can be. It's about how moral and clean he was on our behalf. It's not about how faithful we can be to God. It's about how faithful and loving God was to us when we were his enemies. This is what Easter points us and brings us to. I wanted to read through a few scriptures today as we think about the resurrection, as we remember those times. I love that video because you just get this emotion of the women going and finding out that the tomb is empty. And then they go and they tell the men. And in the word of God, it says that they they didn't believe them. They were listening to the women and they said, "Ah, this can't make sense. What do you mean he's alive? And it said that Peter went running. Peter and John went running. And and they made it there. And of course, the tomb was empty. We know the story. This is a story that if you were watching our children's program, you saw the story told with laundry. If you looked at our Facebook page earlier this week, you saw the story told with 18 eggs coming out of a carton with Miss Linda. The story is that there was a person who lived the perfect life and then was convicted. He was convicted as a Jewish felon. I don't know if you've thought about that, but I want us to ask ourselves, what does hope look like for me, for my family? Does hope for you look like a job? Does hope for you look like a certain amount of money? Does hope for you look like not getting a virus? Does hope for you only look like it lasts between 70 to 80 years, give or take? Because the hope in the Bible, the hope of the resurrection is so much bigger. The hope of the resurrection is that this body, when it finishes its final breath, will go to the ground. And one day I will be raised. And the hope I have is because Jesus himself was raised. The hope that I have is is not in this fairy tale myth that is far off, but it's based on evidence. It's based on truths. It's based on reason. It's based on historical narratives and, and historical people outside of the Bible that says, yeah, there was this guy named Jesus. And his disciples did say they saw him come back to life. 
And as a matter of fact, yes, those disciples who saw him come back to life, they were so changed by it, they gave their own lives. I don't know where you're at with all of this. I don't know if you believe the resurrection of Jesus, but I pray that God would begin to change your heart if you don't. Because there is something that we have. Now may the God of hope, he's the God of hope. He's not just the God of, he's not just the God of love. He's not just the God of holiness. He's also the God of hope. Right now, hope is in short supply in many places. What is your hope in? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want hope right now, if you want hope in this life, if you want hope in this time, it has to begin with your belief in Jesus. It has to begin with you putting all of your faith that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said he did, that he lived the life you couldn't live, died the death you and I deserve to die, and rose from the grave, ascending to the right hand of the Father forever. If you believe this, it's such a simple message. It's so simple that Jesus told, said, have the faith of a child. As adults, we try to make things so complex. And Jesus said, just be like a kid. Just believe. Believe. Right now, three of my four kids, I think, believe that I'm like the strongest, smartest, most handsome, uh, every other adjective you could put on it as dad. My kids tell me regularly, all but one of them says, Daddy, you must be the smartest person in the world. And I remind them, and the strongest, and, and the, don't, don't, don't forget all those other things, the best hair in the world. You, you tell me all those good things, kids. And what's, what's interesting is that as they get to know me more, they realize that it's just not true. I got shattered recently. I, I tried to arm wrestle my middle brother, the one that looks like Thor, but the, the pre-endgame Thor. And the arm wrestling didn't go well. And he works out every day, and, and we sat down at the table. And in my kid's mind, I was still the strongest, even though I'm like a cooked spaghetti noodle, and he looks like a brick. And we got down to arm wrestle, and, and I was trying. I was ready to, to pop my elbow out of the socket. I was going to not do I did whatever it took to win because I didn't want my kids to see. And, and lo and behold, the, the thing happened. My brother began to take me down. The years of psychological torment I put on him as a young child did not pay off in this moment. Instead, my hand went to the table, and I saw it in my son's eye. He, he thought, Daddy's not the strongest, which is an okay thing to think and realize. I want him also to know that Daddy's not the smartest. I want him to also know that daddy's not the best behaved. I want him to know that daddy fails a lot. If I can teach my kids anything, I want them to learn that their dad fails big time. But that the person I run to when I fail, the person I run to when I'm weak, the person I run to when I don't know enough, have enough, can do enough, it's not more strength within me. The person that I run to is Jesus because he is the strongest. He has all knowledge. He has all that I need to be a child of God. And if I put my hope in him, then this pandemic thing, it, it just is what it is. It's out there and I will social distance. I will wear a mask when they tell me to wear a mask or when masks become available. I'll do gloves if I need to do gloves. Whatever it is, I, I don't mind because my hope isn't in the gloves. My hope isn't in the number of ventilators. My hope isn't in a cure. My hope is not in a vaccine. My hope is in Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who rose again. And no matter what happens over the next few months, 10 out of 10 of us one day will die. What is your hope in on that day? I've sat beside dozens of people as they met their maker. I've been in hospitals when people have breathed their last. I've sat with family members after they've experienced loss. 
And it's interesting to me to, to hear and see the perspective shift in the final moments of life. For those people who are cognizant and aware of what's going on, you see a shift happening. You see realizations going on in their minds. How about if we had the realization now that so many followers of Jesus are having? That this Resurrection Sunday, I don't think we're just celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. We're celebrating the fact that that resurrection power is in the church, in the people of God. And he has, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability to resurrect you and I out of our slumber, where we trust other things when it's convenient, and then we trust God only when it, it's okay for our family, only when it's convenient for religious holidays. Maybe this Resurrection Sunday is about a hope that goes so far beyond the short lifespan that we have on this little planet. Maybe this is the resurrection where the power of Jesus fires us up and compels us and fills us with all joy and all peace. The reason why when I'm outside and I touch something and I'm not panicking is because either this thing, this virus will take my life or something else will. There have been many deaths that have happened since this virus began that aren't related to the virus at all. There are heart attacks and strokes. There's cancer and car accidents. We don't know which way the Lord has for all of us, but we know one thing, that the Romans fatally tormented Jesus, that they went to find him, but the tomb was empty, that he appeared to hundreds of people, and the people that saw him, their lives were so transformed that they went and gave their lives for the call of God, because they believed and saw and experienced the Jesus of the Bible resurrected from the dead. They ate breakfast with him. They touched his hands. They spoke to him face to face. This is the hope that I want you to have this Easter. The hope that this isn't the end. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There, there is no limit to his understanding. There is no limit to his understanding of a pandemic. There is no limit to his understanding of the human heart. There is no limit to his compassion for the situation that you're in. There is no limit to his provision of providing you and I with what we need to love Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. I've never seen, I've never seen in my lifetime neighbors come together to do chalk walks in neighborhoods, to set up things in windows to encourage people who are walking and exercising out and about. In my 39 years, I've never seen this. And I lived before the internet was, was around and we still didn't do this. It's incredible to me that all of this is bringing us together in new and incredible ways. God there's no limit to his understanding. There's no limit to his strength. There's no limit to what he can hold up. And right now, some of you need holding up. Right now, some of you have questions like, what am I going to do with my family? We can't pay the rent. We can't pay our mortgage. What are we going to do? And I get that. I understand that. I want you to know that God is with you. That God put his son into a position of total weakness so that one day when we lean on him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we will begin to understand what true strength is. You might be asking, but that doesn't have to do anything with my provision. I need something right now. The greatest need that you have is to understand whose hands you're in. And the way that we could be in our Father's hands is because we are adopted into his family. The way we are adopted into his family is by faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who lived the life we couldn't live, died the death we deserve to die, and rose from the dead, conquering death forever. This is the Easter message. 
I know I'd asked some of you to get some communion supplies out. I wanted, I wanted us to think about and reflect on Jesus, who he is and what he had done. On the last night, he took the bread and he broke it. So this is my body given for you. It's the bread of life. And he broke the bread and he passed it to his disciples and they ate it. Now you might not have communion supplies and, and that's okay. If you don't have communion at your home, you can, you can do this with your family. We've put up a guide before. I'll put up the guide again after the service is over on how to do communion at home with your family. You remember and reflect about the death of Jesus. He, he gave his life for you. He gave his body for you. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. So let's take a moment and reflect and give thanks to the fact that Jesus, our King, gave his body for us. Lord, I pray that as we remember you together, as we celebrate your resurrection, we would understand the power that your death had. That when your body was broken, you made a way for us to have eternal life. So Lord, we remember you in this symbol. We remember you and we praise you as your presence is all around this place and all around our living rooms and our city and all around the world. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness and we thank you for your death. Let's eat the bread together. And after the bread, they took the cup. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. It's interesting because I think at times we don't realize how much forgiveness of sin we need. At the chapel, I, I often poke fun at the little communion elements, the little tiny cups and the little tiny breads that just get stuck in your teeth. I say, I don't need a little bit of Jesus. I need a loaf of Jesus. I don't need a little tiny uh, glass of forgiveness. I need a goblet of forgiveness. What do you need forgiven of? What have you been putting your trust in, your hope in? What have you been looking to to get your peace and joy? Right now, God has stripped it all away. You guys, we don't even have sports. Entertainment industries are shutting down and they're just playing reruns. They're going to try to release movies to streaming to keep us entertained. But maybe that's, that's just one more plan that the enemy has to keep us from looking to the one thing that will give us true hope, true peace, true satisfaction, true security. To get our minds away from the, the things of the world that would seek to distract us and remember this every day. That Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant, the new promise, the promise that God made with you and with me when our faith is in him, that when you believe in the Lord Jesus, believe that God raised him from the dead, and you say with your mouth, say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. Jesus, you are Lord. Forgive us for our many sins. We thank you that you beat death to death. We thank you that you shed your blood for us. Lord, now as a family, 
across the county, we drink in remembrance of you. Throughout this time, we've been doing this Mr. Rogers thing, which I love. I'm going to collect these sweaters, even though I live in Florida, and Fred Rogers was from Pittsburgh, where sweaters made more sense. I wanted to bring us just a clip of something that reminds us of that old-time American gospel preaching. It's one of my favorite clips from a preacher that many of you will know. If you don't know this man, his name is Billy Graham, and uh, and I want you and I to simply realize this. As we watch this old clip, that it's the stream of our family. It doesn't just go around the world today. It doesn't just go back to the 70s and 60s and 50s when we had television to be able to see what people were doing. There is a cloud of witnesses, Hebrews says. And it is a cloud of people who have gone before us for thousands of years and they're cheering us on right now. They're telling us, it's time, it's time. Wake up and go. Be who God has called you to be. Put your hope and all of your life and and all of your peace and all of your joy, wrap it up in who Jesus is and what he's done for you. We we don't have the excuses anymore to turn on something new because those things are, are getting stripped away. We don't even have the excuse anymore to say that our government can save us because if we're learning anything right now, it's that any government in the world cannot. Every government will fail. Every government will crumble. God sets up kings and tears them down. God ordains the boundaries of countries and and the scope of their reach. Today, you can be a part of God's family. Maybe you've never made the decision. Maybe you've never taken communion. Maybe you think, I'm too bad, I'm too far gone to possibly be accepted into God's family. If I can stand here today as a pastor, God can save anyone. God can reach into your life, and you don't have to start looking like everyone else. You you don't have to change all of these things all about you at once. You give your life to God and you let God change you from the inside out. That's how it works. Christianity is not an outside-in program. It's an inside-out program where the love of God collides in and begins to explode new things from you to give you new life, new hope, a new perspective, a new lens. I pray that you would do that. And I pray that you'll enjoy this clip from one of the most prominent pastors in American history. Yes, Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead, and that day, that Easter Sunday morning, that first Easter, when Mary and Mary Magdalene and Salome went to the grave expecting to anoint a dead body, they saw the angel sitting there. And they said, where is Jesus? The angel said, he is not here, he is risen. I submit to you tonight that that's the greatest news the world has ever heard. He is not here. He has conquered the grave. He's alive. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that there's more proof that Jesus Christ rose from the dead than almost any other fact in Roman history. And the whole early church went up and down the country preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the thing that shook the Roman Empire that a man had risen from the dead, that he was alive, that death could not hold him. Christ is alive. He's a living Savior.
that guy does not fire you up, I don't know what will. I had the opportunity to see him preach many years after that. The message is that simple. Do you believe that Christ is alive? Have you put your hope and trust and faith in that? Not in church structures, not in church programs, not in a pastor, not in anything else but Jesus alone. I know that there are a lot of you with a lot of hurt, a lot of church hurt. I know that there are many of you who have questions. I'd be more than happy to answer your question. As a matter of fact, I've got so much time on my pandemic hands, I would love it if you would reach out to me. You can call me, you can email me, you can reach out. My contact information is on the website. You can reach out on Facebook. But don't let this day go in your rearview mirror without knowing if you belong to Jesus, if you've put your faith and trust in him. It's a very simple thing. There's no magic prayer. It's simply asking God and telling God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I need a Savior so desperately. Lord, Lord, please take over the wheel of my life and drive because I'm tired of crashing into things. If that's you, I pray that you would reach out. Don't let this distance of virtualness come between us. Send a text. Send an email. Reach out on Facebook. I would love to be able to pray with you over the phone, to pray with you via Skype or Zoom. Thank you so much for joining us this Easter. I pray that you have a blessed an incredible week. Now let me put a blessing upon us. May God the Father put a banner over our lives that says, my forever family. May Jesus be the light that, that may have started as a flicker. May he be fanned into a raging flame of passion and love within your life. And may the Holy Spirit of God give you, as the verses we read today, all joy, all peace, and all hope. And may the Easter resurrection power rest on all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray all these things upon you. Amen and amen.